Hello, football fans. This is the CBFA Podcast with your regular Shouldice Park field announcers, Grant Pollock and Cole Fortner. I'm James Parks. Let's get to it. Right on. Well, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we have Michael and Daniel here again, filling in for uh, for Grant and Cole, and we sure appreciate you guys coming on and and um, telling us about uh, what what you saw in the games. Because those other guys, they're they're not here. They're gone. They they weren't even at the games. They can't tell us nothing. Why don't we start with you, Michael? Yeah, for sure. I got I actually got the privilege to do two peewee games. Oh, really? Saturday morning, yeah. And I must admit, the first game was one of the best games of football I've watched this year. It was oh, be peewees. yeah, but in the peewees, yeah, it was between the Mavericks and the Chiefs, and it was a very, very high-scoring affair. Wow. Yeah, it was. I think the final score, if I remember correctly, was fifty-four forty-seven. Holy barn burners, Batman! Yeah, this literally like third and fourth quarter. It was just back and forth the whole entire game. It was uh, and like throwing the ball, running the ball, like they were doing everything. It was uh, not a defensive friendly game. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I guess they play defense when they get a little older. Yes, <laughs> and then yeah, and then I had the Lions and Stampeders, and then that's when. Everything fell off the wagon then with the Lions. I think they won that one 77-22. That was also Peewee. Or no, sorry, 46 nothing. 46 nothing Stampeders. Yeah. And that was Peewee as well, yeah. That was uh, a little bit of a tougher game. <laughs> and then one of the games we chatted about in the previous podcast was the Eagles versus the Mavericks Bantam game. Right, that was uh, we were we were hoping for a close one there. Yes, we were. Yes, and we I didn't get it. No, we did not. The Eagles were dominant from beginning to end. Um, the quarterback there, uh, Emerson Leapier or Leapert, if I pronounce Leapert. his name, Leapert. He again stuck out like a sore thumb. Was dominating in every asset of as the game went on and then uh honestly the offensive line for the eagles was uh very impressive very impressive right on final score there was 56 to 8 for the eagles yeah the poor mavericks just couldn't couldn't muster up a lot um they uh yeah they just little outmatched in that game which was going to happen and Obviously, I think if I remember correctly, the Eagles are still undefeated. If I remember correctly, yeah, the Eagles are now seven and zero, which is uh, so. super impressive. They're the only remaining undefeated team. Mavericks fall to three and four now. Yeah, yeah, I know that was one of the games I was hoping. I kind of had some big hopes for the Mavericks. I thought they might uh, kind of maybe sneak one out because I figured you never know with an undefeated team they can have an off day. But um, Eagles just keep rolling. Yeah, they seem to be very focused and uh yeah. Yeah. yeah very determined this year. Very determined. And then I had the last game I had was the uh I had the Bulldogs and the Raiders. 
Right, and that was moved over to Stampeder Field, right? That's correct, yeah. So I had to do a quick 15-minute shuffle from Field 8 to Stampeder Field. But uh, again, this was a one heck of a tight game, though. Even though the score score doesn't quite show it, but it was 8 nothing, I believe, at one point for the Raiders in the, going into the fourth quarter. Wow. Yeah, they they ended up scoring a couple more in the fourth to to make it look a little more imbalanced. Or the final score was Raiders 24, Bulldogs 0. Yeah. Yeah, the Raiders uh it was a that no that that's the funny part we talk about that that first Peewee game where there was no defense and this Bulldogs Raiders game was a defensive like if you're a defensive player it was like a dream watching it. Just both teams defenses were just flying. Yeah, they must have learned something since Pee Wee, hey? Yeah, no, exactly. And then there was a uh, their linebacker, Seth Horwood. Uh, I believe he ended up with a couple of sacks for the Raiders. And he had a pretty key one right before halftime that uh, I think kind of took a little bit of air out of the Bulldogs right at the end of the half. Good stuff. But all in all, it was, uh, at least from the games I got, um, you know, I got four fantastic games. It was kind of nice to get to call the kids, the young kids in the peewee, um, kind of see who's up and coming and all that. And then getting to... I bet they really love that. They probably oh, yeah, don't they get were... bouncers too, too, too often in peewee. No, they were, they were pretty, pretty excited. And even in the, the first game there, that Chiefs Mavericks game, like you could see both teams were, were feeling it and they were loving having, having somebody there at least like calling the plays. And unfortunately I didn't have a, a game sheet, so I wasn't able to at least call their names, but I got their numbers at least. So at least they know what number they are. So, you know, when their name got called, they, they probably felt that was pretty cool. Right on. That is cool. So, uh, yeah, with the, the Raiders victory, they, uh, they keep pace with the Eagles. They're uh, only a game behind. They're six and one now. Yeah. And, um, the, Bulldogs dropped to four and three. Yeah. They, um, yeah, the Bulldogs look good. Bulldogs were, I think they were pretty underrated four and three. Like they have a lot of talent. I think they're just not getting the lucky breaks. No, they could make some noise in the division two side if they don't make a breakthrough in division one. Then Potentially. Yeah. The Raiders look, I, the Raiders look very solid. Like I'd be quite excited to see the Raiders versus the Eagles right now. I think that uh, that's a pretty good matchup right there. I think two pretty strong offenses and strong defenses would be quite the grind for both teams. Well, they uh, they played each other last week, uh, week six, and um, it was a good game. Uh, I yeah. had the privilege of watching that one. Um, yeah, so that's the Raiders' only loss was to the Eagles. So you know okay. they're a quality team. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that was the one I missed last week um, when I was away. Yeah, no, great, great week of football. And I, not, I'm assuming it would be the same for Daniel there over on uh, his field there. I think he probably had some great games too. Yeah, Daniel, if you're, uh, if you're in a position. <laughs> oh, I'm in. I'm, <laughs> I'm in a good position now. Oh, uh, good stuff. Yeah. So, Saturday, last Saturday. Well, for the first game, as I predicted, it was the game of the week, in my opinion. That's my opinion to my own. The Chesterfield Chiefs 
versus the Rebels. Holy smokes, what a game. 32 to 31. That's insane. I, at one point in the game, I thought, man, you know, the Chesapeake Chiefs, after what they did with the retirement of uh, the jersey of their fallen comrade there, and uh, I thought to myself, you know, I've watched sports over the years, especially when it came to retirement of jerseys, whether it was a passing away of a player or a retirement of a player. When that jersey was retired, framed, and all that stuff, I knew right then and there that the Chesmere Chiefs and all their heads, they're like, we got to win this game. This is a bigger win than winning the entire final of the CBFA. And they came and they brought a show to the dance, to the Rebels. At one point, the Rebels, you know, I thought they had their number. Or at the beginning of the fourth quarter, they gained two touchdowns to not only tie it up, but to be one point ahead of the Rebels. And my goodness gracious, fantastic football game. And like Michael said, for his, for his peewees, best football games I saw being a part of CBFA. That's saying something. If you uh, want to take a few minutes to catch your breath, <laughs> it sounds like you're running. Hey, Daniel, <laughs> what are you doing? You're running from uh, Sim right now, bud? What are you doing? No, no. I just, I, I just pulled into my door. So, but yeah, no. So regardless, I, uh, yeah, the CBFA, the first game, Chesapeake Chiefs versus the Rebels was a dang good game to watch, commentate, and be a part of. Um, as far as the other ones, you know, uh, the second game that came about uh, was another blowout. And, uh, and then the other two as well, leading into the end of the night were also one-sided affairs. But kudos to all teams that played that day. Um, but yeah, my top pick of the week was definitely the Chesapeake Chiefs versus the Rebels, of course. So without a shadow of a doubt. Oh, when I uh, got the game sheet for that, um, apparently the the final score was forty to thirty one for the Chiefs. So there must have been a uh, they must have snuck a touchdown in there when you weren't looking. Oh, yeah. My apologies. My apologies if I got the scores wrong. But yeah, other than that, like I said, it was a dang good game. Uh, like I said, they were down pretty badly at the first little half there. They, they were, they were ahead for a bit and then they, the rebels came back and said, Nope, we're taking the W. And then next thing you know, the Chesmere chiefs, they come back and they bring home the win, especially for, you know, the family, uh, retirement, uh, of the Jersey and all that fun stuff. Right. So all in all, it was a good game to commentate. I'm looking forward to next week and, what's holding in the future, especially with playoffs coming up here very, very shortly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So with that win, the Chiefs uh, equal the Colts in the standings, both with a, a win each. Um, and the Rebels are, are, are still winless, but uh, it, was, it was good to see them uh, put up so many points and, and uh, put up such a fight uh, as they did. That uh, bodes well for them going forward. As I say, it's all building the confidence for those those young players, right? Even even on tough seasons and losing, and I've had my fair share of those in playing days. And um, you know, it's always sometimes tough to keep morale moving, but sometimes if you just put up a bunch of points, it kind of gives a little confidence going in into the next season. Absolutely.
So in uh, game two uh, at Hellard on Saturday, the Stampeders topped the Hilltoppers 40-6. to Yes, and uh, yeah, so with that game there, uh, I was shocked with how much the, uh, you know, with how much was put on the board. I thought, you know, this is already, you know, a one-sided affair. They're, they just kept applying on the insurance at that point. Um, which then goes to show, right? Like, especially because you can tell when you're at those football games, especially at Heller, or even if you're at Field 8 or Stampede, the energy that those that come to these games, some of them are, you know, kind of, you know, they're, they're half there. They're just waking up, having their morning coffee. Others that come to the game, they know who they're cheering for. And uh, so with that being said, I feel that, you know, when it comes to that Raiders game, it was the, there was more Raiders fans in attendance, in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, all, all in all, though, the one side affair, like I said, it's it's uh, with how much the forty, like I said, the forty points was put on. It was just it was crazy. I was like, you guys can like you know take a break now. <laughs> You're already like how many touchdowns ahead? You can have a sip of coffee, whatever. Um, but yeah, and that's why I like football. You can't predict these things. It's like watching MMA, right? You just go in there, you think this is my this is what might happen, my predictions, but you never know what the actual outcome may be when it comes time when that whistle blows. So that's yeah, right. that's right. So uh, with that victory, the Stampeders. Uh, pull up even with the bulldogs and uh and they're at four and three now and uh and the hilltoppers they drop to uh one and six so they've got uh, the same record as the the chiefs and the colts uh the third game the one o'clock game uh was the first one that i was there for uh that was uh cowboys 28 wildcats zero yes and with that one there in my opinion it was Super, super good. Like I said, uh, with the Cowboys, um, they put on a heck of a show for, you know, for myself and for the fans in attendance. Um, what I've noticed, though, is that when watching the game, especially with the Cowboys playing, is their quarterback. Time and time again, just the bullet passes, the pocket passes. It's just he knows how to throw those dots downfield without any hesitation, without any second thought. Um, even when he's under pressure, he just knows what he needs to do and how he needs to, you know, adapt to his surroundings in a sense when it comes to, uh, you know, to game time. And uh, yeah, like I said, it, all in all, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the heck out of these games. Uh, for sure. The, uh, the Cowboys defense sure stood up tall against the Wildcats. They, uh, they were putting um, their quarterback uh, Dickinson under pressure all day. And uh, uh, he had he had very little time to to do anything. Yeah, that's exactly correct. So um, yeah, with that victory for the Cowboys, they uh, they extend their their lead in the Cantoon Division. They go up to six and one, and uh, and the Wildcats uh, they drop to four and three. And in the final game of the day. Um, we had, uh, the Lions beat the Colts 24 to 14. Yeah. 24 to 14 in itself, uh, for the Lions and the Colts. Um, in my opinion, I remember, you know, going back a couple weeks now when seeing the Colts and what they had, what they had had transpired on field eight, 
with that uh, with the head injury there, and and they were down a player um, that game. I think that was like my third game. I was commentating on field eight, and uh, I thought to myself, I said, you know, I said I can't wait for these guys to come back and to hit the field hard and to uh, you know just say, hey, you know, with this little setback, we're only going to be going forward and launched forward. And with this game, I saw that tremendously. I saw that, uh, you know, with uh, with what had transpired in the game, I thought to myself, man, this is going to be, you know, uh, I thought, in my opinion, it was going to be a one-sided affair. But overall, like I said, they, I think now they know with how many games that they've been playing for this season and going into playoffs, it's like, you know, they, they could start almost reading each other's minds. It's like that good little chemistry on the field. And uh, I think now coaches are at overtime to think, okay, these are the new plays we got to come up with because we tried these other plays. Now we got to hit the old books and we got to bring about and surprise them a little bit, right? Get to that end zone. And uh, yeah, like I said, uh, for both teams, amazing job on the field. I can't wait to see what's coming up next. And uh, yeah, especially either at Heller and Stampede with Pee Wee or over at Field 8 for old school times. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the Colts weren't able to muster too much on offense. Their uh, both their scores were defensive scores. Yeah. Well, yeah. With that victory, the Lions uh, are five and two, just a game behind the Cowboys, and uh, and the Colts dropped to one and six. So we're mm-hmm. going into the final week of the season. This coming weekend, it is. Uh, a big weekend. Not only is it the second weekend of the Pink Sock Initiative, uh, they'll be handing out the uh, the giant oversized check, uh, the donation of thirty six hundred dollars to um, uh, to the Canadian Cancer Society. But it's also um, it's Gordy's food fight. I'm excited to see what the outcome is because I know that uh, the teams that bring in uh, and it's in partnership with the Calgary Veterans Association, which is, I think it is an amazing donation towards uh, that. I was actually down there last year for a school project, uh, helping out some TVs, uh, fellow commercial for, for that organization. And they're phenomenal people down there. So when I saw that logo, I knew right away, I said, man, the CBFA is doing a greatness with helping these guys out and especially with the Calgary veterans association as well. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited to see who gets that free pizza party. <laughs> they better give me and Mikey a slice after that. <laughs> oh no. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And it's all, like I said, it's awesome for them to do something like that, to give back to the community and uh, to, you know, say, Hey, this is how we're helping out our fellow veterans that, you know, fought for our country and, and this is the least we can do. So yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. Hundred percent. So yeah, games coming up this Saturday, uh, nine a.m. at Hellard Field. Cowboys six and one taking on the Stampeders at four and three. It should be a it should be an interesting one. Just by uh, Stampeders coming off a W this week, both teams coming in off wins. Yeah, that's going to be a a. a a big test for the Stampeders to see if they can uh, uh, keep up with the, the top teams. And keep that momentum. Could be the separation. And they also need. to keep that momentum going as well. If they can take that same energy that they just did this Saturday, this past Saturday, they might even come up with a W. Uh, you know, keep working on those defensive plays, man-to-man coverage, and... 
who knows, maybe they will pull out the W. Let's hope it doesn't end in a tie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that game will be followed uh, at 11 o'clock on Hellard by the Mavericks, 3-4 and four, uh, at the Colts, 1-6. and six. I think that's a big game for both teams. Yeah. It's kind of momentum builder for the Colts and Mavericks to just kind of get them back to that 500 mark, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Mavericks would want to go into the the playoffs on uh, on a winning note and um and the Colts are are hopefully looking to get something going, some sort of positives. If they can uh if they can take away some positives out of this game uh even if they they fall short of victory, then that uh that should be pretty big for them moving forward. Yep, I agree. That is correct. Yeah, and not and uh, you know, like I said, they got to I think they got to start though with some short passes to get that long-term gain, not long passes to get that short-term gain. <laughs> they can keep pressing X on the PlayStation controller, but if they try to go through a Hail Mary, we don't know what will happen <laughs> at that point. Um, but other than that though, I think if anything for, you know, for the one and six, especially, they definitely need to make that from a one and six to a two and six. And uh, I think if they take that mindset of, okay, this is a little setback now, let's watch some tapes and hit the fuel hard, I guarantee you they'll pull out a W. Hopefully, let's let's see what happens. Yeah. Well, and especially with the Mavericks, because I got to watch uh, their quarterback Devin Zane play last week, and uh, kid's pretty good. He's uh, He's coming around, which is good to see. And the one o'clock game, we got uh, the one and six Hilltoppers taking on the four and three Bulldogs. That's one o'clock at Hellard. Mikey's covering now. What are your thoughts on that one, big guy? Yeah, I was going to say that's that's me. Um, I think I honestly kind of feel the same way about this game as I do the previous one with the Mavericks and the Colts. Um, I think, and kind of as Daniel uh, touched on as well, it's. Like the Hilltoppers got to, you know, again, at this point, it's see what they can do, like see what they can improve on, make little adjustments and kind of get at least a w, another W on the board for them. Whereas you got the Bulldogs who came off of a very, very tough game with the Raiders. And um, I think if the Bulldogs kind of keep the way they played against the Raiders, like they should walk away with a win, the Bulldogs. But um, they're kind of in the same boat as the Mavericks. Like they want to keep a little distance. And considering they have the Wildcats right on their butt um, at four and three as well, so and the Stampeders, so uh, they want to get a get ahead in here in the playoffs, entering playoffs. They they definitely need to win for sure. Uh, at the same time, uh, going on at Field Eight, uh, one o'clock, the zero and seven Rebels taking on the four and three Wildcats. Well, my best advice for the Rebels change it up a bit, <laughs> you know, instead of handing it off to the same guy where the defense knows, okay, we got to cover this guy. Cause that's their favorite, you know, mix it up a little bit, gain those yards to, you know, get a, a new fresh set of downs. The more fresh set of downs you get, the more close you're going to get to the end zone. And everyone knows that. Uh, and as far as, you know, the, uh, the wildcats go, if they're on a four and three and they're, you know, number three in the King, uh, the Kentoon division, you know, it, they really got to bring up their A game. If they win for the Rebels, if they bring up their first W within this season before the playoffs start, 
that's going to be an upset victory, uh, especially on the Wildcat, uh, especially for the Rebels against the Wildcats at Field Eight. And uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what the coaches bring to the table for the Rebels when they go against the Wildcats there. And uh, I'm I'm a betting man. I'm willing to bet we'll have an upset victory. And I'm going my side's going for the Rebels. So let's go Rebels. <laughs> going out on a limb, a betting man. A betting man, a betting man. Rebels, I'm counting on you. I'm counting <laughs> on you. <laughs> I kind of got to go with Daniel on that one too. Like, there's no point now and not holding anything back for the Rebels, right? Like, 0-7, make a splash in your final game. Lay it all out there on the line. Like, there's no harm in changing things, right? And trying something new and shaking things up. Yeah, it, it would certainly... Uh not hurt to to try something different although it it might hurt (laughs) (laughs) it's true it is true (laughs) so uh yeah and then uh the three o'clock games uh at hellard we've got the raiders six and one at the chiefs one and six yeah i think honestly i'm i'm a big believer in what the raiders are doing as a team and uh i think if they just continue on the path they're on right now especially after Last Saturday's super dominant performance against the Bulldogs. Like, I don't see how the Raiders can't pull out another win and uh, be an be a, a, a true force heading into the playoffs. Yeah, that's. I think that's going to be a long day for the Chiefs. Yeah. And then uh, the game of the week here uh, is uh, the three o'clock game at Field Eight. We've got the five and two Lions taking on the seven and zero Eagles. Ooh, that's gonna be. I honestly, I think that might be. I agree with you. That that probably that'll probably be my my guess will be the game of the week. A uh, few reasons for one: if you look at this win loss record, five and two for the Lions for the Conquer Lions, number two in the Cantoon Division. That's uh, they're gonna they're gonna bring the heat, especially when they want to catch up to uh, that uh, the, the tie things up win wise with the Cowboys um if the cowboys fall short this weekend and with the eagles as well with them being number one in the brock jacobs division i think if anything there this will be a testament of okay where do we lie where do we measure in a sense and uh if i were a player for the lions especially as the same advice goes towards uh the uh the rebels is mix it up you know don't be predictable on that field. If you know, get it, you know, basically, like I said, change things up. Don't be afraid to, if you got, don't try to throw Hail Marys, you know, short-term gain or short, short-term gains on, on the yards will get you down that end zone. If you start trying to, you know, pick away at it and everything else, if you start saying you're at a third, you know, instead of resorting to a kick, try a run pass, try a pat, like try a run play or a pass play. And, uh, and you never know, you can gain those yards. And then there's that big sigh of relief, like, Oh, they got a fresh set of downs. And now we got a game. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. That's going to be one to watch for sure at field eight. I might be leaning on the Eagles on this one. Um, only reason I go down that road is I look at the lions record against say the Raiders and the Cowboys who are both six and one teams. They didn't score a single point. So kind of against those top teams, they struggle getting points on the board. So I would have to put my money on the Eagles on that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Michael. 
I think like Emerson is just firing on all cylinders right now for the Eagles. Um, their team is just, they're in a groove right now. And it's like, if the Lions can knock them off that groove, you know, that could really sh- shake things up. But uh, Lions are definitely in tough. And I think, yeah, those two shutout losses um, to the Raiders and the Cowboys, uh, who are 6-1, and one, is uh, going to make it a little tougher against the 7-0 and o- team, I think, this week. But Yeah, agreed there. Uh, a little note here to correct something. Well, not correct. We didn't know it was wrong last week when we did the podcast. We were talking about the uh, the playoff dates coming up for the provincials, and um, and we got word um, uh, a couple of days after the podcast came out last week that the Edmonton schedule did not match with the Calgary schedule. So. Uh, the Edmonton teams won't be ready to play the uh, the provincial semis until November 13th with the uh, the provincial finals going on November 20th. So that means that uh, the Calgary teams get a bye week on, um, on November 6th. There are no games scheduled. Good recovery day. Yeah, so that... Uh, that Bodes well for for the Calgary teams for sure, getting that extra rest before uh, before the provincials. Yeah, I'd agree to that one. Not only a good rest, but also enough time too to get some practicing, especially during that crunch time. And uh, if anything, that just favors the Calgary teams in a sense, right? With this little pushback, and uh, which in turn, as a fan and as a commentator. It's going to bring good games come finals and semifinals. It's going to be good. Yeah, I'd have to I'd agree with you there, Daniel. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those ones. Um, you know, it depends, I guess, on how they, what two teams end up down there for Calgary and if they utilize that week off. Because um, sometimes a week off can sometimes hurt. You see that sometimes in baseball. The teams get the bypass the first round. Sometimes it's good to just play right through. Um, it's going to depend, I guess, on how the Calgary teams utilize that break. And it'll all show once the whistle blows. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt for the CBFA. They should trademark that. <laughs> it'll it's all true. show once the whistle blows. <laughs> tell, tell Dan I said that one. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to talk about something uh, this week. Uh, an issue came up with the referees uh, and our timekeeper, at uh, at uh, one of the games this weekend, um, the refs were were trying to indicate that they they wanted a stoppage of the clock and and uh, the clock kept running and and so they they asked me uh, you know if if we had a new person running the clock uh, and I said well no not really I mean <laughs> she's done it before this is not her first rodeo you know. And, uh, and and he said, "Well, you know, why 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 isn't the clock stopping when when there's a change of possession?" And I said, "Well, it's not the last two minutes of the half, or the last three minutes of the half." Yeah. Um, so that's when they realized, oh, uh, Bantam uses different timing rules than other leagues. Mm. Uh, so yeah, just. Yes. Uh, just to go over it quickly here for for our listeners, um, most of the the time, 
basically, uh, um, before the last three minutes of each half, the clock will run uh, continuously and only stop for four reasons. Uh, the four reasons are a score, a penalty, a timeout, or an injury. And that's it. Only those four things will stop the clock. So, you know, as we're getting into the playoffs, I know uh, sometimes um, emotions get high on the sidelines as well as in the stands. And, uh, and you know, I've, I've actually, you know, taken some heat in, in past years because people were saying, you need to stop the clock. And, and I said, no, no, I don't. <laughs> so yeah um it's a different uh it, it changes when you're in that last three minutes because uh then the clock stops additionally uh, on change of possession and um basically at that point you're you're following all of the 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 refs calls on the field and uh and so you're stopping the clock after every single play and then depending on whether it was a, an incomplete pass or a successfully gained yards successful play um they'll either wind it in before they snap the ball or they'll wait until the ball snaps before the clock starts again so the last three minutes always takes a lot longer to play as you guys know full well but, yes. um, but that's why. Okay, that does add up because yeah, I was uh, I noticed that because I've never never been to uh, Pee Wee before, and I never noticed the difference before. So that was definitely something uh, I didn't know, and I learned that that day as well. Any closing remarks, gentlemen? Uh, I'd say if anything, I hope we get the same amount of crowds that we had uh, the Raider Bulldog game. Man, they had that was a loud loud group of people. Uh, I really hope uh, for the final week of the regular season, we uh, the fans, parents, family, friends, everybody come out to support these kids in their last week of the regular season before the playoff push. And uh, yeah, it was great atmosphere. Once you had a lot of people making a lot of noise at those games, it also fired up the kids too. So I agree. I definitely agree, especially when at Hellard or even Field A, if you can hear them, if they don't sound like you're at a church mass you know you're in for a good game because that energy that those people bring to those kids on the field, that's when the real show begins. And they feed off of that. It's like any other sport, right? If you, like, ah, oh, man, <laughs> it's just like any other sport. So that's that's my final comment for that. And I'm looking forward to this Saturday's games coming up here at Field 8 and Stampeder and whichever, right? Whoever, wherever they need me, I'll be there. Right on. Well, uh, I think we uh, we'll have you guys back for for one more one more podcast next week uh, to wrap up the regular season for us. And uh, until then, uh, enjoy your week, and we'll see you on Saturday. Sounds great. We'll see you then. Sounds good. Thanks, James. All right. Take care.